During my research on Eric Portman, I ran across a book titled Playing to the Camera, Film Actors Discuss Their Craft. It was published by the Yale University Press in 1998. This is a riveting selection of essays shared by master thespians from the silent era like Lillian Gish through modern marvels such as Lindsey Krauss and Dustin Hoffman. In Mr. Portman's entry, I found a well of wisdom which extends well beyond the silver screen. He speaks of doing quality work instead of resting on easy laurels with no substance. We hear him expound on the principle of there being no small parts for an actor, and why even the smallest part deserves the same degree of attention as the lead role. Eric describes an approach to his work as an actor that translates well to life in general. Do good work. Be a person of substance. Stay the course. Eric Portman said it so well that I will just read you his words, Rowan. From his films, you know that Eric had a very particular way of speaking and a distinctive voice all his own. I have spared you the mockery of hearing me mutilate his speech pattern and simply read the words in my own voice. With no further ado, Mr. Eric Portman discussing his craft as an actor of both stage and screen. With all my love, Papa. star success on the films. It's a good dream, for it answers the requirements of most of the wishes most of us want to have fulfilled. The screen star does get rewarded. Money and fame are not small figures in the sum total of ambition. But I want to talk to those who are quite determined to turn the dream into reality, and who realize that such a transformation does require a terrific amount of determination. Now, most people might imagine that one of the greatest difficulties for the film actor is caused by the fact that a film is shot in a number of short scenes. It is hard, but not so difficult if you remember that a good film actor studies in advance the entire script of the film as earnestly as he would study a play. The scenes in which the film actor has to appear may be isolated incidents, but in his mind, the film actor carries the whole of the story. It's no harder for him to give his best in the isolated incident than it is for the stage actor to repeat at rehearsals a section of a play. For the good film actor knows the whole of his script as well as the stage actor knows his play. I think that even the small part actor, the man with but a tiny bit in the film, should study the whole script. The actor must know, must have experienced the sweep of the story in order to be able to turn on his lamp. Alright, if the 
division of acting into moments is not the film actor's greatest difficulty. What is? I would answer that it is the enormous amount of concentration which is needed to play a film scene. There is the necessity of remembering the action exactly. You must undo your coat at precisely one moment, pick up a briefcase at precisely another, etc. The scene is planned with full consideration for the microphone and camera to happen one way, and that is the way it must happen. On the stage, a good actor can get away with murder. If he forgets to pick up the briefcase on the right line, he can go back for it. The good stage actor can always catch up with himself again. But if the screen actor forgets the briefcase at the right moment, and if he attempts to go back for it, he will probably find that he is now cutting between another artiste in the lens or interfering with some intricate camera movement. It has often struck me that women seem to be able to learn action concentration for film work more easily than men. In studios, the person who checks on and records the little details of routine is always a continuity girl. No, Mr. X, says the continuity writer without looking at her notes. In the last scene, you put the glass just here, and the siphon just there. But in films, whether it is a question of female star or male star, the function must be 100% concentration for the action and the words. On the stage, an actor can be prompted, and the audience need never know that the actor has forgotten his lines. There can be no prompter during a film take. I would like you to think of a film scene as a sort of burning glass of concentration. I'm not exaggerating. You must remember that a film appears on the screen magnified to over life size. In a close-up, the magnification may be 40 times that of the living face. It is possible for a stage actor to think of other things while he says his lines, especially if he is in the middle of a long run. A stage actor can plan in his mind his dinner at the Ivy while he talks to the heroine about the hunger of love. If he is a skilled actor, the audience need never lose conviction that the actor means what he is saying. But with the film actor, the merest flicker of inattention registers. All the actor's thoughts must be concentrated for the burning glass of the film scene. Of course, it is possible for a clever director to fake a bad screen actor into what seems to be a good performance. By expert cutting, by a very careful selection of exposed footage, it is possible, in certain limited cases, to make a woolly-brained actor look as if he were getting down to business. But this is costly. I think we can agree that we want to talk about the good film actor, who can give the director what he wants without wasting time, and not the fake. For the fake, although he may have a short success, can never have a sustained one. His range is bound to be limited by what the cutter and the editor can do with him. After a few pictures, audiences tire of the illusion. 
even a magician cannot build an evening's entertainment with one trick. Then, as soon as the box office receipts fall, the fake is dropped. He is too expensive a trick. And there are plenty of genuine actors who can give audiences the variety they demand at a fraction of the production cost of a puppet. The fake probably got his chance because he was fantastically good-looking. The novelty of his good looks was his fortune. When the novelty is spent, the missing qualities which do make a really successful film star become all too evident. I mean, it isn't necessary to be good-looking to be a film star. The thing you do need, if you want a career in lights and not just a meteor flash, is the ability to arrest an audience. It's hard to analyze this ability. It comes, I suppose, in part of sex motifs, and in part from the concentration, the professional touch of certainty, which the good actor gives to his performance. It isn't looks. It isn't the articulation of the voice, although the quality of the voice may have something to do with it. And I would say, to those who wish to be film stars, that elocution classes are only useful if there is some defect to be corrected. You can see a film in a foreign language, a language you do not understand, and yet be held by the performance of some of the actors. It isn't looks. It isn't the voice. It's personality. I'm afraid that word has brought us back to where we started this attempt at analysis. Philosophers, biologists, and psychoanalysts have all tried to define personality, but they haven't really been able to give us a workable formula of words. Perhaps the best definition is the old theatrical one of audience projection. The actor with personality projects his inner force. He makes it leap across the footlights or from the screen. There is an actual psychic contact between the player and the spectator. It's a wonder for those who have it in a mystery. In a rough way, I would say you can test your audience projection in ordinary life. The next time you go into a crowded room, see if you can project your personality. See if people stop talking when you enter, rise quickly to give you a seat, a drink, a cigarette. But if we try to take the question of personality any further, we will end in mysticism. All I can say in summing up is that you should know if you've got personality from the reactions of your friends and enemies. So, personality can make you a film star. Whether you are a film actor or not will depend on your histrionic talent. Obviously, you must have some little talent for acting if you are to avoid the fake class. Still, if you have only a little talent and a lot of personality, you may succeed as a type. This means you will always be cast for the same parts. 
your film life will then not be a long one longer than the fakes, for you will be able to give satisfaction to the production staff, but shorter than you might wish it to be. In fact, the public will probably tire of you before the studio executives. The public has to be impressed by real acting before it will grant stars long life on the screen. Otherwise, the favorite game is to make and break. My advice then, to any young man or woman who wants to become a film star, is learn your business on the stage. Develop your acting talents. And the stage will also give you the self-assurance you need to face the camera and microphone. Believe me, it can be a terrifying encounter. I know there are people who, because they are not interested in the stage as a career, think that their first move towards film stardom ought to be the way of crowd work in the film studios. Personally, I think this is a great mistake. Crowd work is an art of its own. You have to move in the crowd with the crowd. You have to learn to make yourself a background. The crowd artiste who is individual is a bad crowd artiste. The would-be star who tries to get experience by way of the crowd will be learning too many wrong lessons. He or she will be learning how to pass practically unnoticed by an audience. The star must arrest the audience's attention. Without doubt, there have been exceptions. Some crowd artists have become stars, but I recommend stage training. Better to have a few weeks as a stand-in rather than years of extra work if you want to get the feel of the studio and end up a top-liner. The stand-in is the man or woman who stands in the set in the position which will be occupied by the star while the cameraman arranges his lights. But the stage-trained actor will hardly need a stand-in experience. Part of his stage training will have been self-assurance. Film actors are very well treated in the studio. But like all film workers, they have to work hard. The hours are generally from 8 in the morning to 7 at night. Six months of a film probably corresponds to about three years' run of a play and working hours. If I were a mathematician, I would try to give you that in terms of extra matinees. So, we come to the fact that cannot be shirked. The film star works. The gold is there. It glitters under the arc lights. But the film star has to earn it. <laughs>